Even though this year the marathon will look a bit different, Volvo Cars is eager to rally the collective spirit of runners across the globe to make this marathon as special as ever. And you can be a part of it. Register today to run the virtual TCS New York City Marathon and enter for a chance to win the Volvo car of your dreams. Visit runforvolvocars.com for more information. And even if you don't win the Volvo of your dreams, you can still get a special discount on the lease or purchase of a new Volvo after completing the race. Simply visit volvoaffinity.com backslash running club for more information. Welcome to Habitual Routine. I'm Coach Anique Lamar, and I'm joined by my co-host and my co-coach, Roberto Manje. How are you, Roberto? Doing great. Happy to be here for another round of the track, another spin, another episode. How about yourself? I'm doing well, especially with today's topic. It's one that I love, and I think it is uh, one of those sort of uh, level-up topics. So what are we talking about today? We are going to discuss, quote, the art of virtual racing. All right. And so the art of virtual racing is a play on the art of racing, which I know is going to trigger some folks and they're going to think, oh, this is about speed. It's about performance. This is something that I can only do if I'm in the A corral or the double A corral, or if I'm, you know, hunting down Olympic trial standards. No, we're going to tell you right now, the art of racing is for everybody. So Roberto, as a coach, how do you define the art of racing? It's a good question. It's actually relatively easy and hard to define because again when people think racing as you just mentioned they tend to think speed and and they uh, you know associate racing with speed and being fast and you know as you said being the a or double a corral but the art of racing is just really fine-tuning how you execute your 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 race plan on race day and if you could do that really well and you could hone those skills you know both the mental and the physical side and obviously preparation then you could execute a great race and a great race for you is a great race for you. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be the fastest person out there. It just means the art of racing for you. And, and I know for, for me, many times, it took me a while to really fine tune the art of racing. You sometimes hear about people being really great in workouts, but then not able to reproduce that in races. So I think when we're talking about the art of racing, it means obviously for everybody, but it's about actual racing, not how you're training, not how you're working out, but the racing. Yeah, I define it as the attitudes that you put into your like toolbox on race day and then you actually pull out and work with as you start to manage fatigue and pain, right? We know that running is painful. It is one of the defining features of racing. It is you are racing up against that physical, uh, emotional pain threshold, right? And you're living there for an X amount of time, however long you're deciding to do this for. And it's the attitudes that you bring with you. And, and you can see it, right? We say people have that race face, and you can see it like people are like ready to go. And what is that race face? And I, I really do want to say here, you know, it, it we think of speed when we think of the art of racing because we see that race face on a lot of professional runners, right? They have to have this skill set. As Roberto said, some folks are good at training, but they're lousy at racing. To be good at that highest American level of, um, you know, racing, you have to have uh, a race face. You have to have the art of racing. But I also see it in every corral. There are folks all over, you know, our New York City races that are, or they're ready to go. Like they're really thoughtful about how they're approaching the starting line, uh, what attitudes they're bringing, uh, what decision making they're making in the race. Because I think decision making is a huge part of the art of racing as well. And so uh, you just have to be very prepared. And this is something that everyone can learn from. Yeah, definitely. And it actually reminds me of a recent episode we did with uh, 
you know, 2016 Olympian, Marathon Olympian, Jared Ward, where he talked about essentially how to reframe things, you know, so like, if you had a good workout, or you didn't have a good workout, like the difference is really how you kind of reframe it and, and how you kind of proceed from that. So I, I kind of see that as the art of racing as well. Like, you know, we're both equally fit, let's say we go to the start line, but you're, he's maybe approaching with like, this is an opportunity to execute my training and and manifestation of the hard work where for me maybe is hypothetically speaking it's just like oh man i got a race today and and it's raining the conditions aren't as ideal as i would like so again we're both equally fit but showing up to the start line in different um ways and obviously our racing or the art of racing in that case is going to be executed differently Absolutely. And I, I say that, you know, as an athlete, uh, you know, if you think of your performance as 100%, right, like whatever you put out is 100%, 80% of that is physical ability, right? How you've trained, how you've prepped your system, the miles you put on your leg. 20% of that is the art of racing. It is the mental attitudes, the decision making that you make in the event uh, and that you practice leading up to the event that determine performance. So it's like an 80-20. You've got to put in the work, you've got to put the miles in, but you have to have your head in the right space. And so as we think about that today, we're going to think about it in not just speed and performance, but in terms of how you approach successful virtual marathoning. Definitely. And, you know, everybody has different racing styles and different strengths. And and it's up to you to obviously figure that out through a lot of racing, be it virtual or in person. Um, But, you know, actually, today, we're going to be talking to someone who is a master and has mastered throughout her career, the art of racing. Who are we going to be talking to, Anika? Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. I get chills when I watch her race. Like, that is that is such a master she is. It is Tatiana McFadden. Uh, she is this fantastic athlete. And, you know, you're talking about uh, race styles varying person to person. I'm excited to talk to her today about what her specific skill set is because, there is, you know, she's a master. So let me tell you a little bit about this phenomenal athlete. There are very few athletes in history who have achieved as much under such unique circumstances. Born with spina bifida, Tatiana McFadden spent the first six years of her life in Russia in an orphanage with virtually nothing, not even a wheelchair. So paralyzed from the waist down and with no other way to move, she learned to walk on her hands to keep up with other children. Little did she know that the powerful arms and hands that she began to develop as a small child would someday carry her around the globe as one of the world's greatest athletes. Tatiana McFadden is considered the fastest woman in the world. She has 17 Paralympic medals, including seven gold medals, 23 world marathon major wins, including four consecutive Grand Slams. The Grand Slam is first place in Boston, Chicago, New York, and the London Marathon all in the same year. She has four of those, and she's broken five world records in track and field. Let's chat with Tatiana. Tatiana, this whole episode is about the art of racing. And when we see you have a huge breakaway with no one in sight, we see parallels between virtual racing where we know our runners are going to be alone and some of your racing style, you know, where you're really out there excelling in this isolation. Uh, So how do you manage this isolation when racing? Yeah. So, um, well, thank you again for having me on here. And yeah, when you when I do break away, or sometimes when you have a rough race and you end up being by yourself, um, it's definitely really challenging. But the one thing about the marathons is the spectators and the fans to actually help you along the way. So it is really quite different now um, during this time in this pandemic where um, you are socially distant, you're not in close contact, you may not see a lot of people um, when you're running. So I um, 
I got a little taste of that back in January when I moved to Florida for training for the Tokyo Paralympics. And I didn't know anyone out there. And um, then when the pandemic hit, I really didn't meet any, any friends. And um, so that was really tough. So I was training by myself and on my own. Um, I think what kind of helped me stay engaged was just to really focus on my goals. So, you know, my goals is to always get faster downhill, you know, to get faster on the climbs and be more efficient with my strokes. So each practice I was able to, you know, just take something away. I wasn't really focused on time. You know, I wasn't beating myself up on that. Um, you just kind of have to like let your body do what it's going to do. Um, and it's, it is challenging. And so I think for the virtual racing, I think it'll be really fun to get your household members involved, the people that you are quarantining with, um, you know, maybe they can help, you know, uh, make a fun meal prep, you know, or hold signs while you're going on your route, really kind of make it an event. Um, because, you know, with a virtual race, you do have something to look forward to. So you can style training around what you're going to do. Um, yeah, but it is, it is really tough, but there are ways to kind of make it, you just have to make it fun, choose a route that you really like. And that's safe. Um, I, like I said before, get your quarantine, um, household buddies involved. And, um, I, you know, for me, I wasn't, focus so much on, on the time. Um, but just working on more of the smaller, smaller goals that I may had, um, for the virtual race. Yeah. Tatiana, one thing that, you know, we, um, we mentioned obviously the, the art of racing and, and you kind of touched upon a little bit where you said that being in isolation kind of force you to focus on a, a different parts of your training. You know, you, you mentioned the, the stroke and techniques and things like that. And, and similarly, Anik and I were trying to maybe answer in our own words, what we thought the art of racing was, but for you, somebody who's been there and done that at the highest level, how would you describe the art of racing? Yeah. I mean, the, I think the art of racing, um, you make it sound so elegant, but sometimes it's not so elegant. Thank you. <laughs> there are like training days that are just so rough and so messy. Um, sometimes you feel tired. Sometimes, um, you know, um, you may go into sore. You may go in a little bit more sore from your last training. Um, but I think it's about having, you know, really remembering your technique and, um, that goes into the art of racing, um, really meal, I think focusing on your, I hate to say the word diet because people take it so negatively, but like focusing on, you know, healthy fueling and focusing on sleep. That's all part of art of racing, um, things that you can control, right? So the pandemic, you can't really control it. Um, but the things that you can control are, you know, your sleep and your, your diet and, um, focusing on the technique of, of, um, you know, your stride and the, and how you want to get stronger and focusing on your, you know, hill climbing or descending or the flats. Um, and of course, you know, wearing a mask, controlling that. Um, so that's kind of how I focus on the art of racing is things that I can control and just to really relax and just breathe and just have fun. Um, in that, like, 
to go back and to remember, like, I really do enjoy this, you know, even though it is a really rough time right now that um, getting outside and training is my scapegoat. Um, and at the end of it, I'm like, wow, like, I'm really happy that I went out and I, I love it. And I had so much fun. Um, you know, it's a great stress reliever. You get those happy endorphins going. So that's just kind of like how I look into the art of racing, um, as well as hydration too. All right. So Tatiana, let's talk about the art of racing in real time. Like tell us about a time where you had a bad physical patch in a race, like you're in a race and it's not going well. How did you finish physically manage that? There have been plenty, plenty of races where I've had, um, really bad, bad races. Um, so how I managed that was, um, I would feel more upset if I quit. Um, so I just kind of had to like refocus and just say, well, again, it's like, what can I control in the minute? You know? So yes, I may have lost the lead pack. I may not have climbed. I may not have kept up, you know? Um, and that those can really get you down. Um, and so it's about thinking, well, okay, let me refocus on a new goal during this race. I'm going to try to run like this time in this mile. I'm really focused on this next climb, um, just doing things that I can control. And then I think once you put your mind to that, then your body just kind of does it and it like forgets everything else. So then you can actually make up pretty good, um, you know, ground, um, even though if you may, you know, not get the ultimate, ultimate goal, but you, you don't sink any further. That's kind of how I repatch it. Um, it's just breaking it down again during that moment, during that time. Um, cause that's all that you can do. Um, cause the more you beat yourself up, the worse it's going to be for, um, for yourself. And, you know, you've already, you're out there, you, you know, you made it to the race, you did it. So, um, it's just about, you know, finishing and refocusing your goals. Cause I think people will be much happier, um, you know, just finishing it, even if you had to walk or jog a little slower. Um, yeah. So Tatiana, obviously earlier, you know, um, we read your, your bio for the intro and it's, understandably so quite lengthy because you've accomplished so much so what seems to be somewhat of a recurrent theme when we have you know guests of of your caliber olympic champions and things like that and olympians is that a lot of our um, a lot of our listeners just always assume that well they were born this way they were born to be great and like there isn't maybe a, a learned aspect through repetition through, through training and which you're somewhat touching upon but specifically with the the art of racing, which is kind of what we're trying to, you know, let our viewers in on or listeners in on today. Do you think that can be learned? Um, and if so, how, how did you learn it? Because obviously your career has gradually, you know, evolved throughout the years, but somebody just listening right now might think, wow, so many Olympic medals and so many experiences, like, you know, like, can you talk us through about, you know, the art of racing and if you think it could be learned or maybe your journey through that? Yeah, it definitely is something that can be um, learned. And I think it's a mental thing, too. I think that um, I think, you know, that's the the biggest practice. Right. 
Um, because you can do all the perfect training. You can have that. But the, as soon as you don't believe in yourself, that's when you've like literally like have lost the race. So it is about like believing in yourself and knowing what you can do. Um, because I think a lot of times people are like, well, you know, um, I don't look like this. I don't think I can do this or I don't, you know, I'm not this weight goal. So I probably can't do it. Or, you know, there's so many things that like people start comparing themselves to. So, um, it is a mental thing. Um, that is part of like the art of racing. I think you do have to be mentally strong and always constantly learning. I'm always learning about the sport. I'm always learning about nutrition, figuring out new ways, um, of training and, um, gym sessions and recovery that's always evolving. Um, and so that's really important thing is to be like willing to do that change and willing to do that learning. Um, because you know, it's scary always to do something new. Um, but I think it's really, I think feeling uncomfortable, like feeling good with the uncomfortable is a good thing. Um, because it leads you to different places and it allows you to grow, um, as, as an athlete. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, there's no like, you know, key. Um, I just, I think it's loving what you do. Um, it's, you know, setting goals for your big goal and then setting small goals in between. And then, you know, I think it's a mental thing. Um, part of it too, is that like, you just, you know, their challenges will come your way and it's just, you know, learning to work around those challenges, having a really good mentors is so important. Um, just like really good people around you who support you. Um, I think that's like part of the key of art of racing. Um, I have a great support system, such a positive support system. So, you know, I think without that, um, it would be really hard to, you know, continue on and to be, and to be the best. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. So Tatiana, we, you know, one of the things you said, which was about, uh, getting comfortable in the uncomfortable, right. And that's such a big part of the art of racing. And it's like, you're out there, it hurts. How do you manage fatigue and pain? Like, so how do you manage that uncomfortableness, right? Like that's the challenge we're trying to get our athletes to understand. Like, what would you say to someone who's like, how do I make myself comfortable? Well, I, I think whenever you're training or whenever you're trying to get better, you're just going to be sore. <laughs> so yeah. I enjoy being sore. I'm like, okay, like this is a good thing. Like if it's a healthy soreness, not like, you know, towards injury, of course, but, um, and whenever you race a marathon, you're always going to be sore because you're, you tend to, you know, um, you know, challenge yourself in a different way. So <laughs> I've learned just to accept that. Like, um, and I think that's kind of, you know, what helped me was that like, you know, it's going to be painful. It's going to be, um, tough, but like, I like it. Like, cause I'm like, okay, like that's, you know, you're, you're um, it's, it's going to be painful when you try to set a new goal or, a new time or whatever, a new challenge in the, in the race. Or like if you climb that hill faster, if you descended that quicker, um, if you took that turn quickly, you know, if you had a faster straightaway, it's just going to, you know, push your body a little bit more. Um, so I think that like just having that mindset uh, just really has helped me. You know, for many of our listeners, 
between the pandemic and this being a virtual um, race, they're going to be, you know, training alone and, and maybe even on race day racing alone, um, despite having, you know, that, that support crew. So when you don't have teammates around, how do you mentally approach um, racing on your own? You know, you, you know, you're going into it solo. Yeah. Um, well, one, I'm staying safe. Um, you know, you have to be careful, you know, training in large groups. <laughs> so I think it's right now, like really one, um, if you're going to be training in group to make sure you're doing it really properly. Um, so during this time, it's probably just better that I'm training on my own. Um, because then you eliminate a lot of the factors. So that's another thing that I've learned to accept is that like, I am safe <laughs> because it is just me and nobody is next to me. Um, there's no, you know, a, a risk factor being involved there. Um, so again, it's accepting that, um, mentally, but some days are hard, you know, if it, the weather's bad or if you're just tired or if you didn't sleep well that night, or if you just have a lot on your mind, um, you know, I, um, I tried to do something like listen to my favorite song or, um, you know, make my favorite coffee in the morning, just try to do something like a little bit fun before I go out or, you know, once a week, like treat myself, you know, maybe doing in-home facial or, you know, binging Netflix or just something to look forward to. Um, knowing that you're like, okay, I, I did this. I went out and did it by myself. Like I'm going to treat myself later in the week. So it's just kind of like being a little bit creative within yourself um, because it does, you know, kind of get tiring and repetitive that you're always out there by yourself doing that. So um, I think that's kind of what helped me. Um, yeah. yeah. I love all those like tips and tricks. Cause I think that's really like, it's not just one thing, right? It's like a lot of different things that you have to do to keep yourself connected. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just, I'm so interested in what the next six months look like for you. Like, what are you excited about? You know, thinking about like finding positivity, finding connection and community. Uh, what are you excited about and what are you worried about? But what do these next six months look like for you? Yeah. So, well, um, I've been really staying busy um, with the Netflix movie that came out with Rising Phoenix and being the producer of that. So we've gotten great, great coverage and publicity on that. Um, it was just amazing doing this documentary about the history of the Paralympics and talking about disability and equality. Um, so that's been a really fun project to do now. I've been doing lots of Zooms, um, you know, NYRR for their youth program, meeting with them on on Saturdays and just finding new ways like to stay connected virtually. Um, so I see that, you know, um, more so continuing next year. Um, we'll see, you know, if the air marathons open up or um, next year and how they'll do that. So I'm just continuing to train, um, stay healthy um, and staying busy in, in other ways before, you know, a race opens up and, you know, we, hope that the marathon will happen. Uh, I'm sorry. We hope that the Paralympics will happen next year. Um, so that's the ultimate goal is to train for that and be 
at the top peak for that. Um, and yeah, I guess all we can do is just, you know, continue to, um, kind of go with the flow, but doing everything digital, um, Mm -hmm. and continuing to stay, um, active digitally through, through sports and still being, um, you know, educating people and promoting it and being part of the marathon community, whether if it's going to be virtually, um, you know, hopefully in person next year, but yeah, just taking it as it comes because we don't, we don't know right now. So I'm just doing day by day, um, and just staying updated on and current on all my technology. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) I'm learning right now. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I think honestly, we've all had to kind of pivot and, and adapt through this last six or, or seven months. And, you know, it's great to hear how so many of our, our guests this season have, have pivoted and adapted. So I guess my, my last question for you is maybe what sort of advice would you have to our listeners? Because there are some of us out there listening who have run many, many races, many marathons before, but a virtual marathon, it's obviously a whole different animal. And there is that art of racing focus there, but there's also the fact that it's a great unknown. And one thing you mentioned earlier, which I really like, is about focusing on what you can control. But even then, obviously not having had this sort of experience that you've had both in in racing and training, somebody listening to this heading out there in a few weeks or in a month's time, you know, what sort of advice would you have for them? Because I'm sure there's a lot of nervous souls out there. Yeah, I think it's just to ha- make it fun. Um, pick a route that you actually really enjoy where you are. Um, get your quarantine family involved um, because you can make it fun. You know, the you can make a finish line that's from, you know, from your house. So you can have a like a, you know, uh, make it, you know, start from your house and then end at your house. So, you know, there are really fun ways to do it. Um, you know, you can kind of make it into a few days activity, you know, talking about meal, you know, fueling for the race and what you do and kind of get your, you know, family and friends, um, who live with you involved. Um, and, uh, just, you know, when you're out there running the race, um, the virtual marathon, you know, don't focus so much on, you know, if you want to focus on a time, that's great. But I think, you know, having a realistic goal that you can reach, you know, I don't think it's making it too, don't make it too stressful, I think is what I'm trying to say. You know, don't, you know, for me, um, when I did the virtual race earlier this um, earlier already, you know, I, I had fun with it and I, you know, had a ballpark of a time that I wanted, but, you know, I did take pictures <laughs> I was out there, right? Because I can, I'm not, you know, with all of the elite, you know, it's not like you're out there with the, with, with the big dog. So I just took the time because I was like, I never get to do this. Um, I'm always like really so focused on, you know, training. And sometimes I forget to take pictures or videos and, um, or in a race, you obviously can't really take pictures while you're racing. So I took pictures while I was, you know, doing my virtual and, and documented it, um, because you can. So I think it's just trying to make it a doing enjoyable experience as much as possible. And then 
I think when you share it on social media, go to the hashtags, like see what other people are up to, you know, support each other that way. Um, I think that's a really cool thing that we can do um, now, which is fun. I, I love it. I think if we could wish one thing as coaches, we would wish that our, you know, our runners and athletes, they have fun with it, right? Because that's really all there is, which is just personal fulfillment and enjoyment uh, during this process. Uh, Tatiana, yeah. thank you so much for joining us today. It's been wonderful to hear about uh, what you've been up to and to get all your insight. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now let's talk shoes. There's a lot of shoes on the market, but you really want shoes that are comfortable, that is number one, and that make you feel fast. I am obsessed with speed, it's what I love, so I really look for shoes that have a midsole, which is like that middle meaty part of the shoe that makes me feel fast. And so New Balance has this foam, and it's called the Fuel Cell, and it offers the highest energy return of any New Balance performance foam today. It feels fast and it has high rebound capacity, uh, which means when energy in, energy out, and that's what propels you forward. So if you're obsessed with speed like I am, check out New Balance shoes that feature this fuel cell foam, right? It makes you feel fast and it propels you forward. And there's a shoe coming out on October 15th. It is the Fuel Cell RC Elite and it's a custom New York City themed shoe. So not only do you get that fast feeling, but it's also branded in New York City insignia. And it was designed with the insights and data from the most elite team New Balance athletes. So they've tested it for you and it is ready to go. It is ideal for long distance racing. And why that is, is because it has a I love this. I get really excited and I stutter when I say this, but I love this. It has a full-length carbon fiber plate. I'm going to repeat that again. It is a full-length carbon fiber plate, which helps you with energy return. Uh, it is the, the spicy center of the shoe that propels you on race day. So it's available at newbalance.com, at New Balance stores, at select retailers. And for those of you who live locally in New York City at the recently reopened New Balance Run Hub, at the NYRR Run Center. Thanks again to Tatiana today for helping us break down the art of racing. Um, I had a you know a couple of quick takeaways from that. I, I'd love to hear your opinion, Anique. Um, number one for me was just one thing she kind of touched upon, which I really love, especially for our runners out there, is to focus on things you can control. So, you know, she talked about technique, mental breakdown, refocusing on your goals. But what what do you what do you think about that, Anique? Yeah. I mean, like technique is number one, right? And this is the idea that like you have a tremendous amount of control when you go out in a race. You are not just this mindless person trying to execute you. There's a lot of thought that can go into it. So you're really thinking about how you can be prepared uh, and and then how you're actually going to approach different components of the race. And, uh, you know, she does this so much, right? She races so frequently um, that I just loved hearing it from her perspective. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that she touched upon too is just the mental focus uh, for an upcoming race. Obviously, in this case, a virtual race, but you know, just being aware that inevitably in racing there are those tough moments. And if you know the course you're going to run beforehand, then you could kind of visualize that. You know, in her case, she talked about attacking this hill or you know maybe run this mile and just kind of being really present in that moment. That way, when you get to that point in the course, you're already somewhat mentally prepared for you know the the situation that you may encounter. Yeah, that's super applicable to our virtual marathoners. If I could give you one tip from this interview, that might be it, which is to prepare for those moments mentally and welcome them when they come. Uh, so you're not 
uh, not anticipating them. You're not worried about them. You're actually sort of looking forward to the challenge of them and, and having that growth mindset and challenge is so important. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the other thing too is that just be be fluid, you know, be, uh, Bruce Lee used to say like, be like water, which I love, but, you know, kind of be able to refocus your goals. And, and in, in this case, essentially be able to shift them on the fly. So focusing on what you could control, the weather is something we can't control, but maybe in the middle of a race, something kind of starts to go a little bit sideways. So you're maybe feeling really good or not as good. So, you know, be flexible to what is in front of you and, and be able to kind of shift on the fly. Yeah. So when Tatiana was talking about refocusing your goals, that's such a premium quality in an athlete. And it's applicable to all of us uh, as we're approaching it. You know, you should have an A, B, C goal every time you get on the starting line to do a race. It just can't be an on, off, all or nothing goal because as, as the race evolves, especially something as long as a virtual marathon, you have to know it might not be your day. And if it's not your day, you can definitely have a great B or C goal that is achievable. But if you haven't thought of it, before the starting line, it's not going to happen. So really understanding that you can have layered goals in every single race. Exactly. Yeah. And one thing I really, really loved that she was talking about was always learning and evolving in your training and racing. Uh, and this willingness to change and evolve, right? You know, I think a lot of us are like, I'm a runner and that's a very static identity. But, you know, Tatiana, a lot of what she's talking about is uh, this this growing and this evolving in your racing. The art of racing is the art of evolving and adapting to the situation. Um, you know, you are could be the most fit you've ever been. You could be a perfect day. It could be a day where we're all vaccinated and together again, right? Or you're by yourself and you are doing it uh, in this pandemic. But you have to evolve in your training and your racing. Yeah, exactly. I, I really enjoy the fact that she mentioned, you know, she went down to Florida originally planning on one thing. And then obviously the pandemic hit and she kind of had to shift because she was training all on her own. And, you know, she's obviously been doing this for many years. So it wasn't terribly alarming, but it was just something where she had to pivot immediately, kind of like the rest of the world, kind of how you, the listeners, having to pivot from ideally hoping to run an in-person race, our in-person marathon to this virtual marathon. Yeah. And, and then there was this one thing, which I think is like it, the secret to professional running is not really a secret, uh, but it's this, is that pain is part of the training, right? And so a lot of folks know it's painful. Um, and I think the difference between uh, professional athletes and not professional athletes is that the professional athletes are friends with this pain. Like this is a very intimate part of the training. They acknowledge it's going to be there and there is a welcoming of it that happens. So this feeling good and discomfort really allows you to grow. It is uh, just a, a different mindset. And it's once again, not something special or unique to these people uh, who are, you know, really strong biologically. It's, it's something that everyone can access, but they're forced to <clears throat> confront it so much more uh, because they do race so much more and it's part of their you know livelihood. Yeah, exactly. I really think it helps to really peel back the layer and just show how at the end of the day, these superhero athletes of ours are really just humans. And yeah, maybe they are born with a, a certain level of talent higher than yours, but like this is also somewhat trained. So by being able to feel comfortable in that discomfort and understand that pain is part of the training and continue to kind of push along that threshold, that's something that anybody could do whether you're trying to run four hours or five hours or, or obviously win you know the world marathon majors yeah and and then you know these 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 concepts if you sort of uh, pull them out and we talk about them like tatiana sort of like shared them with us you know talking about how embracing and accepting the soreness um you know like just being like yep this is happening to me now and it's not a big 
emotional thing. It's not a big physical thing. It's like, that's just part of the training and part of the racing specifically. Um, And then this idea, we say this and I think people laugh, but it's the idea of having fun and joy and uh, enjoyment of it. And there is an art of racing where sometimes you have to be tough and gritty, uh, but part of the art of racing is also really, really enjoying what you're doing. Honestly, one thing I will say, and I see it year in, year out at the finish line of our marathon and then come on Marathon Monday and even a few days after is people who are just like in the middle of the race, like, oh, my Lord, I'm never doing this again. Why did I sign up for this race? And then they finish the race a few hours later or even a few days later, they're like, okay, I'm definitely signing up. I'm doing this again. Like that was so much fun. But it's just like being embracing that and knowing that you're part of this fraternity sorority of of marathoners and, and endurance athletes that it kind of gives you a, a certain sense of like, yeah, I, I could do this. And I did it once and I survived the training. I survived the race. And you know what? It actually was fun. And then you look back and you're like, I, I kind of want to, I think I'm hooked. I want to replicate that. So it's really cool how, you know, seeing somebody at that level be able to perpetuate that year in and year out, especially as her goals change. So, you know, thanks so much to Tatiana for joining us because these are really great art of racing tips. And we hope you find the utility as you approach the starting line of your virtual marathon. Now we do have a virtual marathon tip from one of our very own New York Roadrunner coach, Gordon McCoolis, who is going to provide some advice from her many years as an athlete and a coach. She's also in this whole training journey with you as a future finisher of the 2020 virtual TCS New York City Marathon. Hi, I'm Gordon Bakoulis, and I'm an NYRR coach from New York. And one piece of advice I'd give to virtual marathoners this year about the art of racing is to have a willingness to embrace both the joy, the happiness, and the suffering, the pain of racing. It's, you have to do this in every race, but with virtual racing, no one's going to be around you, with you, to do it for you, to, to participate in that experience with you. When you're running an in-person race, you know that everyone around you is feeling both joy and pain, and you can tap into that. So what you need to do this year is really practice this experience of embracing joy and embracing suffering uh, in your training runs, especially your long runs. And remember, you're going to feel both of those feelings on race day. So tap into them now, practice them. Thank you to Volvo and New Balance for supporting this episode. And a big thanks again to Tatiana for joining us and unpacking what the art of racing means. And as always, thank you to our team who helped make this show happen. Executive producer John Phillips, producers Steve Mura, Ben Delaney, Sam Dupuy, Gordon Bakulis, Lily Cosaro, and Ted Doyle. And of course, our engineer and editor, Craig Gorbanoff. Also, check out our newest YouTube series called Long Runs, Short Stories, A Virtual Marathon Story. We are telling the stories of virtual marathoners just like yourself from all around the globe. You can find that by heading to YouTube and searching New York Roadrunners. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.